Hey, it's Nikki Llewellyn and you're on Gut Plus Science. This podcast is on a mission to increase engagement at work. And on this show, we equip CEOs and people first leaders of all levels to make impact. Let's get to it. Hey, remember our first episode of Gut Plus Science Healthcare with Dr. David Shulkin? He's going to be leading a CEO panel on Thursday, a virtual panel, 4 o'clock Eastern, and we'd love for you to to join us and submit your questions. It's going to be around leading through the pandemic and supporting staff to mitigate stress, fight burnout, and address mental health challenges. We'd love for you to join us, and the link and information will be in the show notes. Hey, Gut Plus Science listeners, it's Nikki, and I'm excited for another healthcare-focused episode and to introduce you to Terry Hamilton today. Terry is the Executive Vice President and Chief Operating Officer for Lakeland Regional Health, and he's an advocate of mentoring and wants to share his passion for people and engagement with some stories on the show today. He's quite the storyteller, as you'll see. All right, Terry Hamilton, welcome to Gut Plus Science. As a longtime leader in healthcare, I asked you to pick something you're passionate about when it comes to the people side of the business. Your answer? Sharing gratitude and recognizing employees for the important work they do. Well, that fits right in with this show. I'm really looking forward to learning your come from and your stories today. Since Gut Plus Science's main mission is to impact engagement at work, let's have you start by illustrating the correlation between gratitude as a leadership practice and employee engagement. You know, I think everybody uh, has a good sense for patient satisfaction and employee engagement having a solid positive R squared. And certainly employee engagement has been proven to have a positive relationship with the utilization of some kind of mechanism to recognize the good work of employees. And so if you show gratitude in that regard and you listen to people because you give them the through gratitude, you give them your ear and your attention, you tend to get more engagement. You know, we've all had a boss or a coach or a cause that we believed in, uh, something that really captured us and gave our work meaning. And when that happens, you know, you're willing to go a lot of extra miles for that person or that cause. And kind of the question becomes, how did you become engaged? Was it reason or was it tradition or was it respect or was it a paycheck or was it because that person listened to you and gave you the gratitude, had gratitude for you and you know, gave you their ear or their attention? That engagement could come from any of those reasons. If it's just about a paycheck, that engagement is pretty thin. But if there's been gratitude shown to you in the past, you're more likely to be engaged. Absolutely. It sounds like gratitude is a habit in your life. And I'm curious, how did gratitude become an important practice for you? I think gratitude started with my faith. And I know this isn't a religious show or anything, but uh, you know, my particular faith tradition in which my dad raised me and I continue to practice the sort of the storyline is that God took the form of man who was ultimately sacrificed for the sins of, of all people. And so that's kind of like a big story, and I could barely understand all of that. But I am oriented to be grateful for the many, many blessings that I have and the sacrifice that I think God has made for me and for all of us. And I can count a lot of blessings. You know, I've got eyes and ears and a tongue that works and arms and legs and a wife and family and shelter and work. And, and so I can count blessings for a really long time. And so that combined with my faith, you know, makes me um, utilize gratitude. 
well, I was I was once presented with a thought starter in a meeting one time. It was it was during a time uh, when in this last recession, where General Motors and Chrysler had declared bankruptcy both within the period of fifteen days, and they happened to be the number one and number two insurers of the patients who came to my health system. So we were really looking at something ugly, and we were having a planning meeting about you know what to do about all that, and it was pretty grim stuff because. Uh, I'd already cut a lot of jobs and blocked another another large number of jobs because we were staring at unprecedented losses. The speaker asked us just before we got started with our work if we would just be willing to think about this. If we were all asked in that room to take all of our problems and put them in a bag and put them in the center of the room so that everybody's problem was were in a bag, a separate bag in the center of the room, and then they got all shuffled up. Would you be okay if you just then picked out somebody else's random problems and somebody else picked out yours? Would you want that? Would you be willing to do that? Well, I figured out pretty quickly that I'd be looking for my problems back in the center of the room because maybe it's because I'd rather I know how to deal with my problems, but I I think it's also because I, I envision myself to be a sufficiently lucky guy that I wouldn't trade my problems for another person. And part of that is gratitude. And you know, with where the world is right now, we've got a lot of challenges all throughout the world on many different levels. And we've been talking a lot on this show about how gratitude is really the, it can counteract anything. Like you can't have hate and be in gratitude at the same time. You can't be feeling overwhelmed and at the same time be in gratitude, right? It's like, it's like that immediate shift thing. And if we can make that a habit, you know, with anything that we're doing, it can immediately take us from one place of, of a feeling place we don't want to be to a place that we, you know, we want to go. And so just as a, a regular habit, I can't encourage enough how just getting that, it's almost like breathing techniques, you know, when you want to get to a, a a better place, calming yourself down, like having those go-to techniques on breathing, gratitude can shift us out of anything, that icky spot and go to just a great place. So, you know, thanks for sharing that and, and just those illustrations. So this show, we do a lot of mentoring. We reach out to leaders that want to build people first workplaces, and then we learn from them just like we're doing today. I'm curious who your mentor was or who inspired gratitude? Who do you want to give that credit to and share with us as, the, as this foundation in your life? Certainly, I think a lot of people would say, you know, their parents, and and without question, my dad was my inspiration for for gratitude. My dad was a grinder. Um, I mean, a talented guy, but he was he worked really long hours. He was a high school business teacher. He was a coach of three sports. He was the athletic director of the high school, and then in the summer, he ran the municipal swimming pool. He's in the Indiana High School Hall of Fame in three sports. And this is a guy who would get up at five every morning. He'd get home at nine o'clock every evening because there was always some sporting event going on at the high school that he had to be a part of. And he still had to paint the house and pay the bills and take us to church and do all the other things that dads do. And he was a, a really tough guy, but deep underneath, you know, obviously he was a very good emotional intelligence and uh, one of the things I remember as a kid, he used to always end our prayer before meals by saying, keep it coming, Lord, because he was very grateful for what he had. Uh, you know, as a teacher, you don't make an awful lot of money and so on. But he started with gratitude and threw his best effort in and we always, uh, you know, had enough. He was a person who was tremendously respected in our community. And I think in part it was because of his gratefulness for the opportunity. 
he was my golf coach and he would always remind us kids uh, on the team, you know, the country club members here in this town have generously granted you the high school golf team, the privilege of playing here. It's a privilege that many people will never get in their lives. So remember that, repair your divots, rake the traps, fix your ball marks, and, and represent your high school so that these people know that the boys of Kokomo are you know, grateful and upstanding young men. So Terry, how do you encourage others, especially leaders that you work alongside to adopt gratitude as a practice? The kind of things I'd say to do is first to demonstrate gratitude to them. In other words, model the way. And in order to demonstrate your gratitude for them, you need to know what they do. You need to see how hard they're working. You've got to see what their work experience looks like. So to steal a line from To Kill a Mockingbird, you need to slip on their shoes and take a walk in them once in a while. And um, what you often see from the top floor is not what you see when you look out from the loading dock. So you've got to go to the loading dock to see if the messages that you're sending from the uh, administrative suite is what's being picked up on the loading dock. You know, both on the level of the current affairs of the organization, like products and services and strategies and so on, and how all those things affect all our people. But you've also got to find out whether the values of the organization are reaching them. Because your viewpoints aren't the same, but the values throughout the organization have to be the same. And if the news that you're trying to send is not getting through, you can continue to communicate. But if the values aren't getting through, you've got a real challenge because the people on the, at the loading dock, they're not dumb people. They'll experience a dissonance between what the company is doing and what the company's values are supposed to be. I was once uh, congratulating a group of uh, lab sample couriers, that is the people who drive the vans and they pick up the lab samples off the you know back door of all the physician practices around town and bring them into the big lab so they can all get processed and the, the doctors can have the results real fast so they can keep treating the patients real fast. And we had just done some really difficult lab consolidations in a big town. And it was critical that all those lab couriers got their lab samples back to the main lab from all over the city. They needed to get them back to the main lab by midnight so that the doctors would have the results on their desk by seven in the morning. Um, and it was good for patient care. And so we needed the couriers to optimize their routes, to drive in ways that they hadn't done before to make sure these things came in timely. So we set a goal and we communicated about that goal. And once the percentages in the lab by midnight had achieved the goal, we had a pizza party. And I came down to the luncheon and I met one of the drivers and he, he asked me a couple questions. The first one was, who are you? That's never a great question. <laughs> and I, I, I explained, well, I'm Terry and... Um, well, you know, I supervise Bill and Bill supervises Carla and Carla supervises Glenn. And of course, you know, Glenn, because Glenn's your boss. I said, OK, well, why do we get pizza? And I, I went into the values. Well, you know, our value of reverence for patients and creativity in our work causes us to make sure that we get the routes redone and get our samples in the main lab by midnight so the patients and physicians can have their results by seven in the morning the next day. And we did it. So we're celebrating that. Had you um, heard about that? <laughs> and he didn't say yes or no. He just took another bite of pizza. And uh, he was chomping on it and said, uh, so you got any more goals you want us to hit? So I, I, I said, oh, okay, all right. I'm, I'm, I'm making a little bit of a connection here. But the exchange made me reflect. First, 
you know, I don't know him and he doesn't know me and he can't know that I'm grateful for his work if he doesn't know me or if I haven't communicated with him effectively. So I've got to be more where he is and I've got to see more through his eyes. And second, of course, probably it sounds like the organizational goal that I had that was super clear to me probably didn't reach him, meaning I need to up my communication game out of respect for what those folks need to know. What a great story. Great story. So um, I'm curious, you know, you've been in healthcare for a long time. Uh, What does gratitude at the highest level look like in healthcare? Maybe illustrate the impact of a healthcare system operating from gratitude as a cultural norm. You're right to say healthcare is a unique industry. We're there at the start of life, we're there at the end of life, and we're there for all of the emergencies and, and challenges in between. So there's an incredible amount of room for gratitude in what we do in healthcare. And furthermore, there's lots of jobs out there as healthcare continues to be a steadily growing industry. So your workforce can go elsewhere and have a job in five minutes. So gratitude is really important uh, in that uh, setting. So there's an imperative to demonstrate that gratitude for your workforce. One, to continually engage them. And second, uh, so that they stay with you. But second, so that you give a great service during the really key moments in people's lives. And the constitution of that gratitude is that the organization lives those values, that it offers an environment that has respect for workers, good pay and benefits, uh, giving team members a voice, having giving them good tools, work a good work environment, working in a culture that shows people respect and safety. But now recently, I think that sort of all those table stakes have been raised by this public health emergency. Think about you know, think about where we were three months ago. We've got this infectious disease that's beginning to sicken and kill really alarming numbers of people in other countries. And we don't have a vaccine. And we don't have a treatment plan because we've never worked uh, against this disease. And then there's scary pictures on the news. And there's nothing else but scary pictures on the news. And then the stock market tanks. And Disney World, the happiest place on earth, closes down. So the the, uh, the environment, uh, you know, and, and the virus is knocking on your door and then there's a first case in your state and your county and your city and your practices and then your hospital and everybody is uh, going through this very tense time where it's kind of like in the scary movies where the good, the good people are on the inside of the house and the bad people are sneaking around and the scary music is playing and the, the bad guys are going to break in any minute. This that's that sound is this is the soundtrack of with your people, your doctors and nurses and housekeepers are clocking in every day because they don't know what is coming. And gratitude means how do I help turn down that scary noise? How do I help reaffirm those people? Because even though the healthcare industry is super trained in battling infectious diseases, we do it all the time. This is new. And it's enough to make you a little bit afraid. And you know, in your mind, you know, there's a lot of new factors like the availability of stuff to protect them and whether we're going to get overwhelmed with patients and we're going to have scary pictures like the ones on the news. So people have this afraidness. One of the things that I did, um, and not necessarily by choice, is, is I was in the mask distribution room as people clocked in and they needed to get their protective gear. And we handed out that protective gear and we had to fit it to their face to try to make sure that it was exactly the product for them. 
because that's their lifeline. That's their protection against this scary element. And, and uh, w- what do you say to those people who are bravely clocking in to take on this new disease? And, and so I stood there as a leader and tried to put those masks on and said, thanks for coming to work, or I've got what it takes to keep you safe, or you're going to be great, or you're going to help a lot of people today, or your community needs you. I'm glad you're here. If you have any problems, you come back to this special room. We're here 24-7. If you have any reason that this mask or these gowns are not doing their job, you come back here. You know, you, you can't even touch them, right? Because in the pandemic, we're not supposed to touch anybody or hug each other, you know? So a lot of our standard tools are gone. So being there and saying the right thing and providing assurance and trying to enter into this as much as you can with them is the, is the illustration to me of gratitude for workers at this particular time. Such a such a vivid picture that you are painting right there about that experience just recently with you going through this. And, you know, it's like I can't give them a hug for being here. I can't, you know, even, you know, rub, give them a little pat on the back like you rely on like an intense eye contact connection and specific words that we can speak into them that tells them, you know, specifically like why we're thankful for them. And just, wow, just, just such a unique challenge. But, you know, really real life scenarios that are happening in so many healthcare systems right now. And it's like, how do we make that true connection to make sure that they know that we really care um, with the limited ability to be able to connect? We've just been so honored by people in the community who have given us you know, praise. People have written things on the sidewalk and people with sirens and airplanes and helicopters and the hospital is near a football field and and you look down into the football field and people have put displays and lighted displays all around to try to give our people the... uh, so, so it's not just Terry Hamilton cheering from the administrative suite, but I mean, there's a this horde of people from the community who have donated uh, money or donated products or given, you know, cheered us on. And people should not underestimate how important that is to continually um, charge people up to go into this difficult environment. Yeah. So it's interesting that you're you're sharing some of those things on how the community has come aside you guys and really supporting you. And it's just really put a spotlight on the amazing work that all of these people that what they do every day and why they went into this work of healthcare, what they're doing and like their heart for this work through everything. And um, our sponsor of the show, Wambi created a platform called Care Postcard. And it is a basically a social media site for individuals, companies, anyone to be able to write a postcard digitally to thank a system and thank a specific person. And that goes directly to the person and it goes directly to the system to collect just these words of gratitude. So just as you were sharing that, I was like, man, that tool that they created fits right in with that. And if anyone is looking for new ways, like go check it out. It's free carepostcard.com. It's, it's a really awesome tool. So Terry, I'd love for you to share some tactical ways that our listeners can start just practicing uh, gratitude with their people today, this week, just some things that you do that are some simple, simple, tactical things. You know, to me, the, the most fundamental thing you can do to demonstrate gratitude is to say thank you. And, and then you have to know what you're saying thank you for. So you have to be intentional about finding the things that your people are doing that are great and say thanks for that specific thing. Our housekeepers uh, tend to move around the hospital quietly, unnoticed almost. But today they're on, you know, front front stage as they always have been. 
but people are a lot more sensitive to infection right now. And I try to pull aside every housekeeper I see and say, the public sees you on center stage now, or thanks for helping us fight the infection, or, you know, you're every bit as important as the doctor, or stay out here, remain present, hit those doorknobs and elevator buttons and uh, so on, because you're helping to show the public that we're clean and it's okay to come to the doctor's office or to the hospital. And, and being out there is a measure of respect and, 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 and I, recognizing their importance not only to me shows gratitude to them, but also gives them a pep talk about the importance of their work so that they can continue to, to do this very important thing. And, you know, as you were talking about your sponsor, you know, that's a a huge benefit because it sounds like that tool takes very little time and it's a great opportunity to give you the ability to recognize somebody in a very, very easy way. And people will be lifted from whatever they're doing by having received a very positive note. And, you know, taking time to walk around, as I mentioned before, demonstrating your interest in what people are doing, uh, what's working and what's not, those, those kind of things show gratitude. You know, I know one CEO who stands at the door to the entrance to the hospital every day and welcomes people to work and says hi and thanks and welcome. I know another CEO in um, minor league sports who stands at the main exit to the ballpark and just shakes hands and says thank you to all the fans for coming. He's been there since three o'clock in the afternoon, and he's going to be there until midnight when all the fans are filing out. And really, in his job, he could just go visit the suites, shake hands to the people in the suites and leave in the third inning, you know, but he doesn't do that. And I think that that says a lot. It obviously helps to have good recognition and rewards practices, um, but that's not necessarily economically as possible uh, as doing other things. And only a, a fraction of that recognition is in compensation. You know, one of the things that I do that has very little cost uh, for me is because doctors send patients to the hospital services. So they're my customers. In addition to the patients, I try to visit a hundred primary care practices a year. Over time, the primary care doctor has gone from kind of that Marcus Welby model where the doctor sees the patient in the hospital and then he sees them in the hospital and he sees them in the office too kind of thing. But nowadays, the primary care family doctor sees people in the office. And then if the patient needs to go to the hospital, there's a separate hospital-based doctor who cares for them most of the time and communicates with the office doctor. So the office doctor, who I'm counting on to send patients when they're sick to my hospital services, I don't get to see him very much because he's not around or she's not around. So I make time to try to go to their offices. And maybe I'll bring lunch or maybe I'll just pop in for five minutes. But in that five minutes or 15 minutes, I can make sure I get in a handshake I can ensure the physician and the physician's practice manager knows how to reach me by cell in case they have a problem or their patients do. I can share a few things that the hospital's trying to do to make their patients care or their patients experience better. I can say thank you for their business. And I can ask uh, if there's anything the hospital can do for them or their patients to help them. And, And I find these visits uniformly quick, helpful, and at the very worst, benign. All right, Terry. So as we wrap up, I know you have an incredible story about a housekeeper and some powerful lessons learned around gratitude and engagement. Um, Let's have you bring us home with that. Well, I I was leaving the hospital one night as the housekeeper who had cleaned my office for the past few months was coming in. He and I often crossed paths around seven o'clock. 
uh, because he was coming in and I was going out. Anyway, I was in the parking lot walking to my car and he was coming straight at me and he was walking with a purpose. He was holding some bag a bit distant from his body. It looked saggy and yucky. I thought, ugh, trash. I'd seen and picked up a lot of bad trash in my years at that hospital, kind of abandoned diapers or fast food or all sorts of yuck that people didn't want in their car. I was thinking, oh, he's probably coming to me to complain about why people leave stuff in the parking lot and why don't I do something about that? Well, he he got close and I said hi and he said, you know, I know you've been doing that thing for the babies. I think he was referring to the fact that I was the chairman of the County March of Dimes walk. And so I had a lot of cute baby pictures up around the office to say that we were marching and raising money to help support the health of moms and babies. And the housekeeper said, and I wanted to help too. And he thrust at me that saggy bag, which wasn't diapers at all. It was filled with dimes. And perhaps his thought was that the March of Dimes wanted to be paid in dimes. And there were probably more than 500 dimes in that bag. That's more than half the night's pay for that guy. And I was kind of stunned, and these thoughts start going through my mind as I have this powerful moment of reckoning that what I thought was coming at me was not at all what was coming at me. And the second thing is I wanted to thank him, but I didn't know his name. And I've always been nice to my housekeeper, but I didn't know his name. And I resolved from that moment, I'm never not going to know my housekeeper's name. Because that's a measure of gratitude as well, and a measure of recognition. His name was Trez. And of course, I thanked him, and that made me discover the third reckoning, which is, as you do things that affect others, and you lift up others with gratitude, gratitude begets gratitude. And you may never know the impact that your actions have on others, unless you're lucky enough to accidentally meet them and have an experience like I did. Terry, thanks for your your heart today, just letting it shine through your stories and your examples. I'm grateful for your time and your mentorship. And I know our listeners are too. We're going to take a quick break, uh, hear from our sponsor message today, and then we'll come back with what we call our lightning round, where we get to learn just a little bit more about you personally. We'll be right back. So in our efforts to launch this healthcare sub-series on Gut Plus Science, my why is Wambi. Wambi specializes in serving the industry that needs the most support, love, and gratitude, and that's healthcare. Together with Wambi, we will be building a community of people-first healthcare leaders and influencers to make a big positive impact on patient satisfaction and overall experience of patients and families, and also engagement of the very valuable healthcare workers in this world. So visit Wambi.org to learn more and hit me up. If you want to talk about the cool partnerships we're working on at Wambi, Nikki and I, K-K-I at Wambi, W-A-M-B-I.org. It'll be in the show notes too. And I am so grateful to be part of this team and part of this movement. Many cool things to come. All right, we're back on Gut Plus Science with Terry Hamilton. It's been a great episode on gratitude today. Have loved every second of it. Now um, we get to transition to learn just a couple things about Terry, about his life and, and just the personal side. So Terry, if you had to pick an all-time favorite book to share with us or a favorite recent read, what would it be? One of my all-time favorites is a book called uh, Thrift Store Saints by Jane Newth. It is a little bit about gratitude because this she, Jane is an eighth grade teacher in Kalamazoo, and she is motivated for some reason to go volunteer at the local St. Vincent de Paul thrift store. And through the, she tells the stories 
of how she got involved and all the people that she met and helped through St. Vincent de Paul. And these are fabulous, fabulous stories. But the underlying start of it is that she wasn't sure, you know, is this for me? Is this what I'm supposed to do? You know, is this how I'm supposed to? I don't know a thing about helping people. Why am I here? And of course, the stories illustrate to her in vivid ways why she is here. And it gives us all the encouragement to venture out a little bit and be willing to try take that risk to help people because what amazing things happen when you do that. How about a favorite vacation spot? Well, <laughs> Central Indiana isn't much of a is a much of a vacation spot, but it's where I have so many family and friends. So that probably is my favorite vacation spot because it's always uh, refreshing uh, and restoring to be with friends. But uh, if you go to a, a different places where you get recharged in other ways other than family and friends, I would probably say uh, Wrigley Field, the Arizona Desert and Key West. And how about a favorite hobby when you're not working? I like to play golf. I like to listen to music. I like to watch the Cubs. And then Terry, how can our listeners connect with you after the show today? Email probably is preferred or, or LinkedIn. Text is okay too, but uh, I would say LinkedIn or email. Terry, thank you for your mentorship and sharing the why behind your heart for expressing gratitude for people, especially in the workplace. Here's my truth you can act on from Terry today. Number one, say thank you often and be specific with why you are thanking the person. Find opportunities to say thank you as often as possible specifically. Number two, carve out one-on-one -on -one time to build relationships and trust so that team members feel safe to reach out to you and feel you care. Number three, call people by name. This is huge. When we hear our name, we feel special. We feel seen and heard. Do whatever it takes to learn people's names and use them in every direct conversation. 